Yeah. Like we always do with this. Yeah. Yeah, like we always do it this time I go for mine and made plans for yours Cause I got the shine Go bar for bar, go line for line Like Kobe in 99, I'm so close to prime Bad bitch by my side, I'm so close behind We living in a moment, there's no post to bind You think there was a deal that I'm supposed to sign The game's just a mountain that I'm supposed to climb I remember man, 11 years old when I made it to go Up in Hello and welcome back to Film Soliloquy We are the podcast where we exchange movies And we're forced to review them uh, my name is Jeff, and with me, as always, is Jason. Hey, man. So what up, about, dude? What, a, what a comeback from the last movie you gave me. This, oh, is this a com- Oh, is that a spoiler? That's a little bit of a spoiler. Okay. I mean, you can't. You can only go but up when you give it a D minus. I could give you an F. <laughs> Don't dare me now. Well, uh, so you went first last time. Would you like me to uh, begin the... With my review of The Descent. Oh, hell yeah, man. Mm. All right. I can't wait to hear this. So, as always, uh, we are going to do full spoilers for The Descent and The Mask of Zorro. So, check out those time codes and bounce around to what review you want to hear or right to the end of the show. It's up to you. Uh, but I watched The Descent. It came out in 2005. It is a horror movie directed by someone and starring a bunch of people. That I've never heard of, and neither of you. But I have never heard none of these people. Like I this feel is like, bad. I don't. I feel bad. Like when I watched this movie a long time ago in the movie theaters with my cousin, and then we left the movie theaters and we talked about the film, and I was like, "Yo, the Asian girl." <laughs> so like, that's all I remember. Like, how, and then the other ones. Yeah. Right. So uh, just to for uh, to be thorough, the main actress is Shauna McDonald, who plays Sarah. Natalie Mendoza, who plays Juno, and then uh, the rest of the party is filled out with, uh, as this is a horror movie, Death Vodder. Um, so <laughs> a uh, the movie starts off pretty quickly. It starts off with uh, uh, our main character, Sarah, in traffic with her husband and young child. There is an accident where their car plows into the back of a truck and metal rods shoot out and kill both her husband and her child. Uh, she is then whisked away by her friends to get her mind off of things. They decide to go caving. Spelunking. And uh, apparently, go ahead. Spelunking is the proper term. Spelunking. Okay. Um, so they go <laughs> spelunking. And she is accompanied by her friend, Juno, who I think is her best friend, um, as well as Beth, Rebecca, Sam, and Holly. So this is. An almost exclusively female cast, uh, with the exception of the, the a lot of the pl- actors who played the monsters were majority of them were male. Um, so they, I think my review is going to be kind of short because really I could sum this up as they go caving and monsters attack, um, and that's kind of what happens. So obviously, being a horror movie, I know everything's going to go horribly wrong. But they uh, have this cave that Juno has scouted out uh, and they go down in it. And early on, things are going kind of fine. They find a small tunnel where all six of them climb through. At least the first five get through with no issue. But then Sarah, who's the last one going through, she gets stuck and has a bit of a panic attack in this tight little corridor. Now, I told Jason, this was the scariest part of the movie for me. 
because when I was a kid, and I don't know if anybody else remembers it that's my age, there was a little girl who got caught in a well. And the well was not like we think of uh, like a big well, and they just had to draw like a bucket down to get the kid out. It's a much smaller uh, well. It's maybe a foot across is the pipe. And this little girl was stuck in there for 40 something hours. And I saw it on the news as a kid and I, it like stuck with me. So, and this movie's very claustrophobic and dark, as Jason said. So it, it's underground. The only light is coming from their headlights or maybe a flare. Uh, and, so it's very claustrophobic movie and she's stuck in there. She's having a panic attack. They are able to get her free. But when that happens, there's also an avalanche that gets them stuck. They can no longer go back the way they came. Uh, they then get in an argument with Juno uh, saying, hey, I thought you had this scouted out. It turns out she doesn't. This cave is untraversed. Uh, it has not been scouted by professional spelunkers. It is basically an unknown situation so it's very dangerous and now they've gone through the cave one way it's collapsed and they've gotten stuck and they need to get out now right mm -hmm. so far you know it's actually pretty good right we got the cave alone is like scarier to me because it's real right and, and you mentioned the was it was it in the Philippines where those kids got stuck in that underwater cave? Or was that a... I don't... Yeah, it was some foreign country. I, I want to say either the Philippines, Thailand, I forgot where. But yeah, where they had the... It might have been Thailand. Yeah. It was like a soccer... Because that could... Yeah, a whole soccer team got stuck in a cave because apparently it rained or there was like a flash flood and the water rose so quickly they couldn't get out. And people died trying to save them. So... In a lot of ways, to me, that's quite a horror movie because it's that can really happen, right? And that element to me is like the scarier part. Like, I would not go caving. I told Jason, I'll go skydiving before I go caving. <laughs> I'm not doing it. Um, so they get to this huge ravine, right? And it, it's basically they come out and it's the sheer drop. And on the other side is another tunnel. And so they have to cross it, uh, and they do. It's kind of dramatic and slow-paced. The movie's fairly quiet. There's not a lot of music. There is some suspenseful uh, ambient music that plays uh, as things get kind of crazy. But they cross this gap, uh, and they find that there are some really old, like, I don't know the technical terms for this equipment, but these carabiners or whatever that uh, these spelunkers are using to but they're like really old antiques, right? So they know that people have been down this way before. Um, and so as they kind of get moving, and I, I'm probably going to blank on a lot because there's just a lot of wandering around in the caves and it's dark. Mm -hmm. And I was telling Jason before we started recording, it's hard to keep track of who's who. You really kind of have two main characters and the rest of them are just there to get murdered. Uh, well, actually, there was one... And the funny thing is, you don't even know, Rebecca, like, when I, when I went to the movie theater well, and seen this, I didn't even know what the premise was. I seriously thought they were just going to wander around the caves, and I'm, I'm knowing you to get to it, you keep saying murder, and, you know, there's some, there's some 
some creatures down there. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna get to that. Uh, the, the well, there is one other girl, Rebecca, who I think is this, who is the Australian. Uh, she's actually pretty smart. Um, but anyway, so while they're kind of traversing, one of the girls, one of the women, breaks her leg, like bone sticking out, breaks it. Oh right? yeah, that's disgusting. And so they're patching her up, and while um, I think Rebecca's exploring the cave, or maybe Sarah, they see it through their like night vision goggles, this white figure. Um, you, you know, like if you've ever seen a movie with night vision, you know, everything else is kind of dark or green and then movement and life tends to show up pretty bright, at least in the theatrical version of night, night vision. Right. Um, and so these light, uh, white creatures who would be albino cause they're underground, right. They're not seeing a lot of light. Uh, so they have no reason for their bodies to produce the melanin. Right. At least that's what I would think. My limited, I'm no botanist, but that sounds to me like <laughs> when you're down where there's no light and you see other animals, I evolutionarily, mean, they I tend mean, to have like jaundice? zero pigment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they already have jaundice, you know. <laughs> Why would they have jaundice? Because don't you need sunlight to not have jaundice? Or do you have, no, you use sunlight to cure jaundice, right? See, I ain't no botanist or a doctor. No, it's. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. I ain't, uh, I'm a mathematician. <laughs> yeah, so we don't know what the, these creatures are here. And so Juno goes off exploring, and I'm going to get these sequences out of order. Because I watched this movie pretty much right after you gave it to me. Uh, so it's Oh, before, before you a, go into the sequences, let me just talk about the monsters real quick, if you may. You can also tell that they've been there in a while. And I don't know if you're going to reveal it, but they, you can tell they've been there a while because of evolution where they've been down there so long that they no longer need to see. Uh, so their right. eyes, mm-hmm. uh, they'll have, they have like no pupils or nothing like that. Cause they just, there's darkness, you know, they can't see anything. So uh, obviously it tells you that those creatures have just been there for generation after generation. Yeah. I, yeah, exactly. Uh, and they also find like some bones. And so they kind of know there's something hunting down here. Um, and this is where it kind of gets a little blurry for me as the sequence of events. But one of the most memorable scenes is Juno is off kind of looking around and she straight up fights like the, one of the first real attacks is one attack where a woman gets killed like that, like right away. She's just dead. And then Juno gets attacked, but she actually fights and kills it. So they establish kind of early that these things are killable, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they're not, Jason Voorhees. Uh, they can be killed. Uh, she fights it off, stabs it, kills it. And right afterwards, this other woman comes up and is like, hey, how's it going? And like <laughs> startles the hell out of her. Juno totally, in my opinion, does what you would do in that situation and defend yourself first. You've just been attacked by a monster, spins around swinging her axe. It's one of those axes you see like Laura Croft use in Tomb Raider. It's this big, like spelunking axe. Like you'd be climbing rocks and ice with it. And she stabs this lady right in the neck. And she's bleeding everywhere. And uh, Juno just is like, well, and then takes off. Like, <laughs> now, <laughs> there's a subtext that I missed that Jason filled me in on about some sort of affair that happened. 
Yeah. Explain that, if you will, because I, I, I totally blanked it, I guess. I didn't pick it up at all. Well, I mean, it kind of, uh, I'm not going to, let me see, hold on, let me, let me get my thoughts here. You can edit all this blankness out and all that stuff. Because I don't want to talk about the end of how she reveals it, but. Um, okay, well, we'll keep going. Oh, no, so, I got it, I got it. I'm trying to say, I'm okay. say. Well, so. There's a, there's a pendant, right? Like Sarah right. sees the pendant and she, that's how she knows. This is basically revealing that she really knows what happened to Beth and her affair with her husband. And so she knows that Juno had sex with her husband. And so it's like a culmination of events at the very I end. I didn't connect that, though. There wasn't like I saw this pendant and there's a point late in the movie where it's very important that Juno has this pendant on her. But yeah. I did not catch the significance of it because... I didn't know there was this affair situation, and I. And it definitely ties up a why the ending did the way it did. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I I get that. I, I just missed it, I guess. But so uh, some people get killed. Um, more bodies get dropped and stabbed and killed and um, eaten. So there's one, like, if you've seen anything of this movie, which I've seen very little of before going into, there is sort of this iconic scene where the main character, Sarah, rises out of a pool of blood. She's covered in it. She's screaming. And it's just this really horrific visual um, uh, uh, of just being in this pool of blood down here where these animals, I guess, I, I don't know. I'm no botanist. I don't know how blood works, but I imagine if you kept it in a pool, like it would, something would happen, right? It would coagulate, right? Or would it stay in that liquid form where you could swim in it? I don't know. It's a lot of blood, man. I'm pretty sure it would just turn into goop. <laughs> okay. Well, she swims in this goop, gets out, kills a couple of these monsters, um, and joins back up with the group. So I think we end up um, in short order with just like Rebecca, Juno and Sarah. Uh, Re I was hoping Rebecca would actually survive because she was the only one with a brain in the group. Um, she tended to do things real smart. She figured out that these monsters uh, can only see you, can only hear you. They can't see you. Um, she's just, she's the brightest of the bunch and she was the one that probably should have survived, but that's not what happened because apparently she, uh, wasn't important enough. Um, where are we? Okay, so we get oh, down kind of. I don't know if you want to edit this in here. Like, um, you might want to cut this part out. But I, I remember the affair now for sure. Okay, well, let let's let's go ahead and talk about the affair then, because we kind of get near the end. It's just Juno and it's just Sarah, and I'm going to tell you what I saw, and then mm -hmm. you interpret. Okay, right. so what I saw is Sarah's covered in blood, right? Mm -hmm. And Juno comes up. She's like, we're safe. You're safe. There's the exit. Let's get out of here, right? Yep. And Juno, like, has this pendant and she drops it or has it on herself. And Sarah sees it. And after seeing it, decides, screw you basically breaks her leg or stabs her in the leg with a pickaxe thing yep. and leaves her to die and just leaves. Now me having missed the subplot of this affair, I'm like, wow, 
that's cold blood. It's like for, it, it felt out of left field, right? Like it's just they're they're good friends, good friends. Stabs him in the leg and leaves. Like I didn't, it didn't make sense. And then after we talked, you said there's an affair. I'm like, even with an affair, it's a bit extreme to kill someone you've known for a long time. Yeah. So those those two instances are basically, I guess, what that was the final straw that broke the camel's back. I would say so. So Sarah found Beth bleeding to death and i guess beth's dying uh word was letting her know hey juno stabbed me in the neck and left me for dead and also i saw the pendant that she was wearing and it's the exact same pendant that um sarah's husband left him that gave her like the same type of gift so it was the exact same necklace and so you know uh the husband was playing both both sides of the field and gave the same pendant to juno and sarah and so when she saw that and art, you know, got a confirmation when she saw it on her neck, that's when she just, you know, stabbed her. Because obviously she left her friend for dead and she knows about the affair. So she had enough with it of Juno. And obviously she also lied to about that. She went to this cave before. So it was basically all her fault that they went in there and died. Well, and she's also been through hell, right? So she's not in a great mental state anyway. So I can get by the fact that she murdered this woman uh, in court, though, it would still be murder, right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, in the court of law. Yeah, <laughs> in the court of law. However, that being said, this has never been uh, surveyed or been through cave. If you're gonna murder someone and get away with it, this is the place to do it, right? Yep. And I mean, technically, she she didn't murder her. I mean, she just stabbed her. Right. Her for dead. And left her for dead, which with, in my opinion is murder. With ten you crawlers. know that she ain't making it. Yeah, it's like saying, all I did was turn your car on, pump a hose into the window, and then seal it, and then uh, left you to suffocate and not calling that murder. But <laughs> because right before she stabs her, there's like, a, you hear like the monsters in the back, and they're coming. Yeah, in a court of law, I guess that would be third degree murder. <laughs> I don't know the rules of degrees, but it isn't manslaughter. <laughs> so she runs out. Yeah, she, she had Johnny car. Cochran. She had Johnny Cochran to be manslaughter for sure. Oh, she, or, or she'd probably just get get off. Yeah. Johnny Cochran's good. He's good. <laughs> probably would have dropped but, off uh, a, a Bronco at the at the exit cave. <laughs> the cave. <laughs> oh, there are plenty of monsters there too, and so. You know, the only witness would be dead. There'd be she wouldn't get caught. Yeah, she's good. It wouldn't. Yeah, so it'd be fine. Um, I am curious though yeah. how you interpret the very end. So I'm gonna let you get there. Okay, let me remind myself of the very end. What happened? I interpret it like there's two ways you can interpret it, and then obviously. So remind me of what happens because she leaves the cave. She hijacks a guy's a guy's truck. Uh huh. She sees. And in, Juno's ghost in the passenger seat or something like that. Okay, yeah. Right? I remember that. Then she stops the car and then she screams, right? Like, you know, just... Uh-huh. And then she wakes up in the cave and then the movie ends. <sighs> so, when I saw in the movie theater, <laughs> right, I was like, wow, she made it. Then she sees Juno's ghost. I'm like, well, she's going to be haunted forever from Juno. And then... She wakes up in the cave as if she never left it. Like she's just laying in the cave again. And then that's how the movie ends. So then it makes you think like, 
that very ending of the sequence after she killed Juno, her mind was just so warped, right, with depression and anger and sadness and all that stuff that she just flipped out and she went blank, passed out, and then woke up still in the cave. So then you're like, damn, she she ever she actually never made it. But obviously, spoiler, they made a sequel to this movie, which I've seen, and it is terrible. It is. I was going to say, because having there be a sequel pretty much answers all of those unanswered questions. <laughs> exactly. And the sequel is later, obviously. So when at the time I saw it in the movie theater, I was like, she didn't make it. And when I spoke to my cousin about the movie, and again, I didn't know none of the actress's name. I And I was like, so do you think she made it? Like, nah, she woke up. She blanked out. I'm like, all right. So, But then when the sequel came out, she made it. <laughs> she, she made it out of the cave. And she found somebody to help her. And then she told them what happened, and they went back down there. Long story short, it's horrible. It's, yeah, yeah I think it's a, it's a matter of... So this movie did very well. I don't, you know, it didn't do Marvel numbers. However, it had, again, we don't know who the actors are. We don't know who the director is. The budget was very low, and it made a lot of money. Horror movies tend to do well on low budgets because there's like a rabid fan base. You don't need a ton of money to make them. And people watch horror movies. They just go, they'll go watch any horror movie. Um, and so this thing made a really good amount of money. It was a big hit for, I, I guess these independent filmmakers, I don't really know. So that's why we got that sequel, but I think it was a sequel where the, the filmmakers were like, Oh, we got to do a sequel. We didn't even, they did, like didn't have that planned, and I think you're right. They they meant to have this sort of ambiguous ending, where you don't know which way it will go. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if they had the same director from the first and second one because the way they shot the first film was genius, right? They had right. everything dark. I mean, the way they had the lighting it was so like just the cinematography of it, right? Where you have just where the camera is, where you see the characters, where you see the actresses and how they have such little light to just in this cave. I mean, it was just shot very well. Um, that's the best way I can say it. And then the way they shot the second one, it looked like they were shooting it in a studio. It was horrible. Lights everywhere. I mean, it was just shot completely different. And that's uh, well, one of the big things. Looking on IMDb, he is not listed as the director. So I'm guessing... Let me pull it up real quick. The sequel was directed by someone named John Harris. So different director, and that would be probably so I'm um I'm I'm wondering like if they're like, hey buddy, you need to make a sequel. He's like, I didn't I just want it's just one story. I'm not making a sequel. Okay, we'll find someone else and then you get a steaming pile. Yeah, it's kinda of like Jaws, how Steven Spielberg, you know. Right. Didn't make Jaws. Absolutely. Too. Or like, uh, you know, Psycho 2. Hitchcock <laughs> didn't make that. So, um, any last words before I uh, give this its permanent and uh, inarguable rating that you have to live by for the rest of your life? Uh, nope. I'm ready All for right, it. Though. Well, uh, this is a B-minus movie. It's pretty good. I uh, If you're looking for thrills and chills... Again, I thought the more realistic stuff is scarier to me than the monsters. The monsters never really scared me. Um, but the thrills are there. It's violent in the way that you want when you want to watch a horror movie. It's a pretty good experience. It's uh, worth your time. Nice. B minus, you say, huh? 
Yeah, that's what, right. That's what I said. Be mine. All right, cool, man. Very good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I definitely enjoyed it. I haven't. Uh, I, I, I watched it in the movie theater, and then I watched it maybe a few times um, after that. And I think the most recently was maybe like a few months ago when it popped up on Cinemax, I believe. And it just once that movie just comes on, you just you just watch it all the way through. And then that like basketball, like basketball. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, I'll go ahead and I'll dive into my movie right quick. So the movie you gave me was The Mask of Zorro. It stars Antonio Banderas, Stuart Wilson, Matt Letcher, Catherine Zeta-Jones. And yo, this this threw me for the loop. I did not expect this actor in here. Anthony Hopkins, right? I was like, okay. oh, yeah. Yeah. I was like, all I knew was what you told me. Antonio Banderas and Catherine Zeta-Jones. That's, that's basically all I was expecting. So... When I this, didn't. I didn't say Anthony Hopkins. You probably. How was I thinking? You probably did, but it went over my head, I guess. But so when the movie opens up, all right. So I'm I'm thinking my mindset, right? So you gave me that crappy ass movie the week before, and virtuosity, then you, and then you hit me up with the Mask of Zorro, right? I'm like, okay, yeah. I'm thinking like when I think of Zorro. And this may not even be correct. I might get a ton of hate mail on this one. When I think of Zorro, I think of like the Princess Bride, man. <laughs> Dude wearing the black mask, right? Hat. Yep. Yeah, is that is he Zorro in that movie? I can't remember. I mean, no, he's not Zorro. He's the Dread Pirate Roberts, but in a lot of ways, he's Zorro. He's a swashbuckling, sword fighting. In a lot of ways, these movies, while you're going to get to your letter grade. I would argue that Princess Bride is a much better movie than Mask of Zorro, uh, but they're both similar. I would compare it to like that or a Pirates of the Caribbean, where it's just a swashbuckling adventure, and it's just there for you to have fun. We we'll go home and swashbuckle. <laughs> yeah, go home. What does that mean? <laughs> All right, so the, the the movie opens up right. So I'm already have like a bad attitude towards it already. Right, so like, cause it's first. You it's tend a, to do that with all my movies. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do. And so the movie starts, and I'm like, oh god, I can't believe. What did what did he give me? I'm like, there's a there's a reason. <laughs> there's a reason I probably haven't seen this movie, right? So it opens up, and it opens up like James Bond, like 007, right? And but he doesn't have a gun. He has a sword, and he makes the Z formation, right? And I'm like, oh damn. <laughs> and it opens up with flames. I'm like, oh snap, man! It's probably the same director, John Woo. Um, that made like Mission Impossible 2. <laughs> just fire everywhere. Probably going to be some slow motion or whatever. So that's my mindset going into this movie, right? It's not good. So then... <laughs> Wait a minute. You don't like John Woo movies? Now, I get Mission Impossible 2 is crap, but... I, I only remember Mission Impossible 2. Of his okay, films. all right. Fair enough. If you're just judging him on Mission Impossible 2, then your criticisms are fair. Oh, yeah. It's definitely valid for sure. So it's opened up in this like 1800s, right? During the Spanish, the Mexican War of Independence, I think, right? That's not about right. Anyway, so it's following like these two boys and they're trying to get this peak of this um, uh, this execution that's about to happen. And this real a-hole dude um, is, is Stuart Wilson is the um, actor and he's playing the role of Don Rafael Montero. And uh, he's, I think he's, the governor, I guess, right? He's like some type of high authority figure that's in charge of this army. And he just, yeah. he's like rounding up these, um, you know, these Mexicans. And um, I mean, I, they're trying to gain their independence from the Spanish. 
and you know he's not having any of that anyway so has these he's following these two boys they're trying to view this execution and um these people are just rallying and you know just they want to rebel you know they're rioting basically and one of these boys is about to get attacked and zoro appears and now mind you i don't know all i know is antonio banderas i'm expecting to see antonio banderas the whole time right and then mm-hmm. zoro pops up and he has the mask on he has this little hoodie and he peeks through and the, the light glimmers across his face and he's like don't worry or whatever line he says and i'm like yo right. that's old ass anthony hopkins <laughs> <laughs> and, and i let me emphasize old ass all right <laughs> so yeah so all of a sudden zorro played by uh anthony hopkins i'm gonna call him old zorro and his character's name is don diego de la vega right mm-hmm. dude he is freaking a gymnast right he's mm-hmm. flipping around he's like what it, doing the gymnast do like on a balance beam he's doing the like the spinny ruse and all that stuff he's like fighting people left and right with a sword i mean he's parrying he's parrying and stabbing and flipping and i'm like this ain't no this ain't no anthony hopkins this thing. <laughs> <laughs> like there's no way man what the hell this dude old as hell bro he ain't doing no damn flips <laughs> Anyway, so I mean, it's it's a cool fight scene, man. I I was like, dude, what the hell? All right, cool. So, uh, one pivotal part of this scene, which at the time when you watch it, and again, this is spoiler heavy, right? So at the time when you watch it, these two kids actually aid old Zoro by pushing a statue over a ledge and uh, making the I guess the Spanish army um, like jump off a uh, jump off the roof, and they're like falling down i mean they didn't pick a very good spot man you know they're they're <laughs> i mean they're hitting wood i mean they're hitting like scaffolding and stuff i'll be mean, like dude <laughs> at least try to ease your way down like, i think one dude jumped head first it was ridiculous and <laughs> <laughs> like midsummer <laughs> yeah so so i mean it, um it was cool like one of these sequences so he, they the kids literally just pushed the statue and it, it, it aided old Zoro. And then old Zoro's like, oh, snap. And he runs over there like lightning quick. And there's no movie magic here, man. Like the kids literally just threw the statue over. They turn around, like, you know, wiping their hands or whatever. And old Zoro's behind them. Hey, guys. <laughs> like, he just teleported his ass. And mind you, this dude is like on the, th- these kids are like on the seventh story of a building. They ain't no elevators in the 1800s, right? Dude, all right. it's Zoro. He's teleport. Listen, all right, so. I said all that because that's the last bad thing I'm going to say about this movie, okay? Because after that, this movie is glorious, right? So my my attitude went from, God, oh my God, this movie sucks, (laughs) to wow. So anyway, so uh, old Zoro congratulates the boys. He gives them this, uh, this necklace. And I don't know what what it is. It's just some type of silver necklace made out of real silver, apparently. And uh, so old Zoro goes to his bat cave. Yeah, he really like he has a, this mansion. He I really know. is Batman. Yeah. yeah. So like he, he goes to his like his bat cave or his Zoro cave and then goes up some type of thing. And then he's entering his house and he's like the cutest baby, the cutest movie baby I've ever seen. Right. 
he's like telling the story <laughs> of like all the action the sequences that he just did he's like hey you know the the, the hot prince uh fought the villain and he came up victorious he even punched him oh i forgot so then um oh zoro uh does the, the z formation on his neck uh and cuts oh, him up on right? the main bad guys on the main yeah. yeah on the main bad guy don rafael montero i'm gonna say that name again Don Rafael Montero. Man, some cool ass names. Some great names, right? Yeah, some yeah. good names in here, man. And uh anyway, so oh, let me back up. So another bad thing I'm gonna say. So this whole movie could have been done in the first five minutes, right? Why didn't your ass stab the main bad dude in the face? Man, don't mark him up with a Z. Man, your voice. Like when he speaks, I'm like, dude, that's Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> 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 he has the most recognizable voice. And and I'm not just saying that because, you know, as we know it's a movie, but even in the in the film, everyone says how soothing his voice is. They say it so many times. Like, hey man, right, you have like right. a great voice. Like, dude, you just talked to the main bad guy. You had a great monologue with him. You even told him, like, hey, you tried to kill three men. I'm going to give you three cuts for it. I'm pretty sure the bad guy's like, bro, you're Anthony Hopkins, man. I'm going to come. <laughs> I'm going to come get you. <laughs> so it's show enough. <laughs> show enough. Right. I got to say, though, when um, he's telling that story to the baby, I was like, dang, I'm ready for a nap. He's a great storyteller. Exactly. And that's like his voice is just so perfect. And then, well, there's another portion with a storyteller by someone else. And it's just as good. Yeah. 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 With, you know. Antonio Banderas. Anyway, yeah. so I, I know I'm going on. I got a lot to talk about. So uh, obviously, <laughs> uh, bad dude uh, Don Rafael Montero uh, just magically appears in his home, and he was like, "Hey, man, <laughs> <laughs> how's it going?" I mean, he he knows who he is, but then he has to really test because Anthony Hopkins, Don Diego. De La Vega got injured in that fight. He got like cut on his arm and Don Rafael Montero knew it. So then just a confirmation, he grabs um, Don Diego by the arm and he, and he singes. He's like, ah, you know, he's like, ah, and then he, he reveals like there's blood on his t-shirt and he's like, take him away, man. And then um, before he's getting taken away, you know, like, come on, man, you know, Don Diego, he just, he just fought all them dudes, man. You know, old ass, old ass Anthony Hopkins got some moves on him, apparently, right? Right. <laughs> and so obviously they get into a fight and he's like throwing the guards around. And one of his main guards is like, hey, don't shoot him. We're going to let them duke it out. It's going to be a one on one. So he got old ass sorrow. He got Don Raphael fight, sword fight, right? I'm like, damn, this, this movie's picking up. And then his wife, uh, I forgot the actress's name. Anyway, Don, uh, Let's just call her Miss Vega, right? Or Miss Diego, right? So Miss Diego um, sees that her man's about to get shot because one dude's just impatient, right? I guess that's me. In the- <laughs> <laughs> he was like, I don't want to see this play out, man. My boy's getting whooped up. I need to help him out. So he pulls out his pistol and Miss Diego's like, no, and she gets shot in the back. I'm like, damn. All right. This dude's about to rage on this guy. Nope. He gets captured. And then um, Raphael's like, hey, man. So listen, I'm not going to kill you. I'm just going to let you suffer for the rest of your life. <laughs> and bro, so, he, oh my goodness, this is like sickening, right? He, he like, obviously 
Anthony Hopkins was just telling this story to his young daughter. And she's like, and this is like a, like a three month year old baby, three to six months years yeah. old. And the baby's crying in the background and they lock uh, Anthony Hopkins up and he's outside um, in some type of jail cell, uh, you know, with a horse drawn carriage and his house is all burning up, man. They like lit his whole house on fire. And he hears the baby screaming and Don Raphael comes walking out with the baby and Anthony Hopkins screaming, you know, let me hold her. Let me hold her. And he is like, hell nah bro and it walks away i'm like that is the coldest dude ever and yeah, so so real quick huh? uh just because there's one other plot point is so when she runs up to protect zorro and gets shot don Raphael is pissed because he's in love oh yeah with sure. zorro's wife and he stabs the guy that shot um zorro's wife yeah, yeah, yep, definitely forgot about that. Yeah, he basically is in love with her, but she chose, uh, you know, old ass Anthony Hopkins. You know, <laughs> so uh, so then it cuts and it just says twenty years later. I'm like, oh, damn, bro, this movie took a turn. What? This is horrible. So twenty years. <laughs> no, we're back to being bad again. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, what I meant, like, it, it turned is bad for Anthony Hopkins. This dude is suffering for like twenty oh, okay. years, right? Yeah. So. I'm like, all right, finally, here he is, Antonio Banderas. All right, so quick twist again. This this definitely threw me for a loop. So Antonio Banderas and his brother are walking through the desert, and he's getting um, dragged by, I guess, a captor, right? And you think it's like some lawman, or some type of sheriff, or some type of deputy. And you can he he gets to a town, and you can see that. Antonio Banderas, and his name is Alejandro Moreta. Um, I think I'm pronouncing that right. And uh, so Alejandro and his brother, the Moreta brothers, are getting dragged through the desert, and they get to this town, and you can see their wanted posters. <laughs> and like the, there's some good comedy in this thing too. Like, so they gets to the wanted poster, and he's like, "Yeah, these these are the Moreta brothers. They're they're wanted." And he's like, "How much are we worth?" And he's like, 200 pesos. And he's like, 200 pesos, that's it? He goes, yeah, 200 pesos for the both of you. <laughs> <laughs> and I like, I don't know what the exchange rate. I mean, I know, I kind of know the exchange right now, but I think 200 pesos in like American money is like 20 cents or something like that. Or hell, maybe right, even like. So think about in yeah. the 1800s what 200 pesos was. <laughs> Bro, you probably couldn't even buy no milk. Five, ten bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe get a sarsaparilla down at the, the saloon. <laughs> oh man! So, but quick twist is they um, they weren't really captured. They wanted to get uh, this wagon full of supplies uh, from that town that they're in, and so they pretended they're being captured. And uh, they pull out their gun and they steal all the stuff and they're they're riding out. But then some dude. So this dude, this dude is badass, man. His uh, the car- the the, the actor's name is Matt Letcher, and he's Captain Harrison Love. Another great name. He's like American, man. <laughs> so he's like the American of the the Spanish army, I'd say, or whatever, whatever army they are. I don't yeah. know. I don't, I don't know what all. Like, I know that California was a bigger state. I, man, I don't know nothing about the Mexican Revolutionary War of Independence. I mean, you're no botanist, so. I ain't no botanist or no sociologist or nothing like that. Yeah, so there's one badass dude captain comes up riding in, riding with a bunch of horses, chilling, and they they intercept uh they intercept Halajando, the Moretta brothers, and the one dude helping them out, 
and they're like, oh, man, we got to book it. So they they run like they. um. But right when they're running, Captain Harrison Love shoots them, shoots them all, uh, shoots the, the one guy, like the older guy. I forgot his name. And uh, he shoots him. He gets wounded. And then uh, the the Moretta brothers are running, and one of, and Antonio Banderas' his brother gets shot in the back uh, in the buttocks, I would say, because <laughs> <laughs> he definitely got shot in the buttocks, right? And he's like, "Man, just go!" And he's like, "No, I'm not going to leave you." So and he's, he tells his brother to go. So Antonio Banderas books it like five feet, and then hides behind a cactus. Um, obviously, he should be, he should have been caught. But anyway, that's neither here or there. <laughs> yeah. So Antonio Banderas like hides five feet away, literally, man. Watch the movie, you'll see. <laughs> hides behind a cactus, but yet he's invisible to everybody. And everyone else is on horses. They definitely could have chased him. Anyway, so um <laughs> Captain Love uh loves men surround uh Antonio Banderas's brother. And right before he's about to, you know, catch his faith with Captain Love. Uh, he takes his rifle or pistol and points it at his own chest and shoots himself in the heart. And right. and Antonio Banderas, um, Alejandro just witnessed the whole thing. So obviously he shook up. He he sees what happened to his brother. Obviously he's pissed, but you know he flees. And the captain Love, um, still on the pursuit, just doesn't find him. And then it the scene opens up. Uh, I might be I might be mixing up some stuff here, but I remember like so. The next scene is like you see um, Alejandro uh, at a bar just drinking up his sorrows. And um, oh, I forgot. I, I got I to gotta tie this in. So old Zorro, Don Diego, um, escapes prison. Right. And what's what I, the part I don't get. You might have to fill me in on this. But part I don't get is uh, Don Rafael goes to prison to find Don Diego. Right. Um, he right. he he talks to a, pr- a prisoner and he's like, yeah, he's here. And so he goes to prison to go find Don Diego, Anthony Hopkins. And he's like looking at all these dirty men. You know, they're down in this type of dungeon or whatever. And he just can't find them. He assumes that he's dead. He asks, you know, which one of you men are Zorro? And they all claim that they are Zorro. And so he just he ends up capturing a few of them to, I guess, interrogate them some more. And uh, but why like why does he how does he not know he's in that prison 20 for 20 years and all of a sudden 20 years later he wants to find him that part I don't get so I, I don't know but I don't have a problem with it because he could have been transferred or moved or escaped one and got captured in another you know there's there's 20 years of story that have gone by that a lot of things could have happened during um so, I'm saying, like, why does after 20 years, like, why is Don Raphael trying to find him now? You know what I mean? That's here's the, the narrative I would pitch to you. I would say that he escaped the initial prison he was placed in and has been on the run and then was captured and placed in that prison. And Don Raphael heard about it and knowing that Zorro is a dangerous man, went to find him and kill him. Because if he's going to escape, he can't allow that. I don't know if that works or not, but and with twenty with I mean, twenty years of time gone by, I would assume I would assume he was in prison for there to be. Yeah, I just assumed he was in prison the whole time because if he did escape as a younger man, uh, he would have 
caught his revenge a lot earlier. I mean, I don't think he would have waited yeah. 20 years just to get captured again. You know what I mean? So I just right. assume he was in prison the whole time. Anyway, so he, he escapes and uh, he goes to the same bar that uh, Antonio Banderas is at. And lo and behold, um, he's trying to barter with some more drink and he offers his necklace of silver and it catches old Zorro's eyes. And he says, hey, where'd you get this necklace from? And he basically said it was given to him a long time. Well, he got it from his brother who was who he got it from. So he never explained who he got it from. But old Zorro knows he gave that to those kids that saved right. them from from the rooftop. And that's where you put the, the things together. I'm like, oh, damn, this, that's pretty good. <clears throat> so um, Antonio Menderes Alejandro is pissed. He still wants to gain vengeance for um, Captain Harrison Love for killing his brother. And so he's going to go. He's going to go fight him right now because he sees him uh, at the other side of town. And Anthony Hopps like, nah, man, hold, hold back. You, you drunk. <laughs> you're no you're no position to, to fight this man. And if you do, you're going to die a quick death. And so he's like, I'll train you. So he takes him to the back cave. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's now cool. Batman begins. Yeah. So he's, he takes him to the Zorro lair. And you can see that this is where and they kind of allude to uh, through explanation that there has been multiple Zoros, right? So Anthony Hopkins mm-hmm. ain't the first Zoro. He's been trained by another Zoro. And he said, you know, he's teaching them the ways of these circles and that the only circle that exists to you is what I have in front of you and no one exists outside the circle, which is a good good thing to say because you can't think of your vengeance right now. You need to be trained in the art of sword, of swordmanship or whatever that thing's mm-hmm. called. And... Uh, <laughs> So he's getting trained. It's, it's pretty cool. They're 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 fighting. He's he's getting better and better. And uh, I I know I'm running long. I need to, I need to wrap this up, man. <laughs> but you can tell I, I really enjoyed this film. So there, he, he teaches all these action action sequences. And uh, one of the last things that obviously once you're getting trained, it's kind of like the Karate Kid. You you think you've learned all you need and you're ready to fight. You want to avenge your brother's death. And he's like, nah, man, I'm ready now. And he's like, no, bro, you need to, ch- you need to calm down. There's still stuff I need to teach you. And one of the last things is charm. With that was pretty cool. So one yeah. of the, he, he learns all the basics for, for fighting, right? And he's ready to quit. And he's like, man, I'm out of here. I'm going to do it myself. You taught me everything I need to know. I'm going to dip in it. And old Zorro Don Diego is like, hey, man, I need to teach you one more thing. He can kind of forces him to come back in to go, get underneath his wing. And he's got to teach him this last part to how to be, a, you know, a charmer. And he says it a couple times in the film. And so it's basically your your Bruce Wayne. Right. So you're Zorro. Mm-hmm. And, and then you have your your persona uh, outside of Zorro. So it's kind of like Bruce Wayne and Batman. So you can fight at night, but you need to be a player and, during the day. You need to have, you know, that character. So uh, one of the things he needs to infiltrate one of Don Raphael's uh, parties. And that's where you actually get introduced to Catherine Zeta-Jones, who is the grown up daughter 20 years later of Don Diego's uh, kid. So you see her finally in the film. Yeah, this is the baby that Don Raphael took from Zorro in the first act of the movie. Yep. And he, she, she sees him as her dad. So obviously he, she stole her. He stole her as a baby, and then raised him as his own because he was, you know, deeply in love with um, Mrs. Diego. And uh, he sees, you know, he he wants the offspring. He he even he tells him like, hey, you know, this was supposed to be the, my, this is supposed to be my kid. I was supposed to have a baby with her. 
And so they she he infiltrates the party and he's he's supposed to be some prince from Spain. And um I mean Captain Love obviously is already uh he he's seen Antonio Banderas before. I mean he kinda gets the hint that hey, this guy is not who he says he is and you know, I was like, hey, he's pretty sharp guy <laughs> and so he, he's very wearful but uh antonio Banderas like infiltrates uh infiltrates the party he befriends don rafael he pretty much gains his trust he he takes him he tells him his master plan of that how he wants to buy uh a piece of california from the spanish army i, I forget who like these factions and stuff like that but he 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 makes his own mind and he uses El Dorado. So it kind of shows like the these times, uh, uh, you know, historical times. You have the, the Mexican Revolutionary War. Then you have El Dorado where all those gold is supposed to be housed at. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's pretty cool how they tie that all up in the film. And so uh, Don Rafael reveals the master plan to all his henchmen and including Antonio Banderas's character that, hey, what we're going to do is we found El Dorado. We've been mining all this gold. We've been using slaves. Uh, to mine the gold for us, and we're going to be using these gold to buy the land from the guy who owns the land. So technically, it's his own gold that he's not discovered, and they're going to use it to buy the land from him. It's like an ingenious plan. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, let's go and do it. So they visit the the mining area. You see all these Mexicans um, that are enslaved, and um, um, the, the 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 conditions are deplorable. Um, they're, they're getting abused, they're getting whipped. Uh, you can see that they're not hydrated, not well fed, stuff like that. And so they, uh, <clears throat> Antonio Menderes actually sees one of his friends, like this one prisoner has his own monologue. He's like, Hey, I'm tired of these conditions. And, uh, he, he, he wants to denounce, uh, everything that's going on and that these people are, are slave owners, right? And so right. he's gonna he's gonna go off with one last hurrah. He he goes in this this mining cart and he leaps and uh, Captain Harrison Love shoots him like right in the chest. And I mean like he's full flying in the air <laughs> and he gets shot with this bullet and just bounces backwards hard. I'm like God Almighty, <laughs> he got shot hard. <laughs> and so everyone's like, eh, that, I mean that's what he gets. And the the, the crowd kind of walks away, but uh, Antonio Banderas recognizes this old man, and it's the guy from the beginning of the film that was pretending to, to be their captive, right? It's, he's the trio of the Moretta brothers, and you can see that he recognizes them. They both kind of smile at each other, and then he dies, and Antonio Banderas is just pissed. And this is kind of where it reveals that um, and Captain Harrison Love recognized who he is. But he doesn't, he can't really put his finger on it, but he, he tells him, hey, meet me in the spot. And then he shows up, he, he shows him a jar of a, of his brother's head inside and he shows him the hand of the dude he just killed. And Antonio Barris right. like, I don't know these dudes, um, but you're a sick man. And he's like, oh, okay. And then so he takes a drink out of his brother's jar and then leaves. And then he just, he breaks his cane. He, he's visually just pissed off. And he's like, I, I need to get this guy. Uh, before I go towards the end of the film, because we're getting right there, do you have anything else you wanted to add? No, uh, there's so there's a lot of him uh, getting to know Catherine Zeta-Jones. He's playing a character to get in good with Raphael so that they can exact their revenge. Um, so he becomes a confidant. Uh, Antonio Banderas becomes a confidant of the main bad guy. Um, and the whole time, though, uh, at one point, Zorro 
fights Catherine Zeta-Jones in a very playful way. Like, the, they're not really trying to hurt each other necessarily, but she kind of starts feeling some way about Zorro, and of course, he's feeling the same way about her, and that's the bulk of, like, the mid-movie. Yeah. So, towards the end, this is where you get to the huge scuffling. So, Anthony Hopkins is like, listen, man, I need to exact my revenge now. Now it's the time. I've taught you everything you need to learn. I want to go get my daughter back. Um, and Anthony Hopkins is like, listen, man, there's these slaves, these Mexican slaves at the mine that they need to be rescued. And Anthony Hopkins is like, man, that's your fight. I got my own fight. I need to exact my revenge. So um, they 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 set they go their separate ways, and Anthony Hopkins goes to the home of Don Rafael, reveals himself that he's still alive, and he asks him to go get his daughter, and Captain Love. So it's you have, you have Captain Love, you have Don Rafael, you have um, Old Zorro, Don Diego, and then you have Catherine Zeta Jones, Elena Montero, and um, he he finally reveals like, hey, he has a knife, he has a sword to Don Rafael, and said, hey, you need to tell her who your real father is. He re- reluctantly just like says a story like he's just an old crazy man who doesn't know but um lucky for him Catherine zeta jones was walking through uh, a market and she happened to see at the very beginning of the film i didn't mention this but um anthony hopkins actually had uh, like a nanny that used to babysit his daughter and so she knows um the baby she knows anthony hopkins and so she sees Elena walking through the market and says, hey, I used to babysit for you. And um, um, she just they, they make that connection. So when he's revealing like who he is and she's like, hey, I met a market. I met her in the market. And she said that my father is Don Diego. And he's like, my name is Don Diego. <laughs> right. So she kind of yeah. makes that connection. <laughs> and um, again, it's the same type of fight where. Uh, one of the henchmen just gets tired of waiting <laughs> and wants to shoot. <laughs> he wants to go shoot, and, and Catherine Zeta Jones throws throws herself at him, and um, so he ends up not getting shot. Thank goodness. But then um, Don Diego gets captured again, and uh, and goes into you know the the lair, the dungeon uh, as an, a prisoner. But then she she quickly rescues him. Uh, Catherine Zeta Jones, Elena. Uh, goes to the prison and and takes him out. Anyway, so then you break to Anthony Hopkins. His his um, destiny in this film was to go rescue all those those slaves. And what happened is, since all these witnesses are there, they need to silence uh, what's going on because because uh, if the the this faction, the Spanish faction, finds out that they really stole the gold from him, he's just gonna have everyone killed because this army is immense. It's kind of like I guess the United States versus uh, some small country, right? It's just, it's just not going to work. <laughs> right. So they, 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 they set a plot and this tells you the type of, uh, sick man that Don Raphael and Captain Harrison love is they going to, they want to destroy the entire mine, get the rest of the gold out, destroy the mine and kill every worker that's there, every slave that's there. And those like, those are scores of scores of women and children. Like they have mm-hmm. kids, you know, mining this stuff as well. So there's this huge fight scene that is, I don't know, I, I'm going to do, I'm not going to talk about it too much because I really want you guys to actually see the film. The last end of it, uh, these fight sequences of this sword play, it's, dude, it's better than like Star Wars' fights. <laughs> like, yeah, 
it's <laughs> the choreography is amazing. The way they shoot the scenes, the uh, the way the light is, and their 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 sword movement, sword play, they're parrying, they're flipping. I mean, it's it's amazing. And so, without going into to too much detail, so you can actually watch it, uh, the huge fight goes on. <clears throat> um, Don Raphael gets the better of um, Anthony Hopkins. Uh, they're having a sword fight. Now, this part I, I am going to talk about a little bit because I didn't see a mortal wound on Anthony Hopkins. I saw that he got stabbed <laughs> like in the arm, yeah. right? He gets like stabbed in the arm and they're just And then uh, Anthony Hopkins like ties this uh, uh, noose around his foot and he gets dragged. And uh, at the same time, at the bottom of this, um, they're, the, the cave is about to explode with all this dynamite. And and Antonio Banderas, Alejandro, and Captain Harrison Love are fighting. And Antonio Banderas gets the better of him and stabs him in the stomach. And at the same time that happens, this this carriage full of gold is dragging down Don Rafael, and they all collapse on each other, and that's how he dies. But um, this Captain Zeta-Jones is also, um, she she's trying to rescue all these miners as well. And she's shooting all these locks and getting all everyone free. And then the mine explodes. And then they go back up top to go visit Don Diego. And she's like, hey, father. And, you know, she finally knows that there's a dad. He's like, hey, you know, I, I'm so sorry that uh, I, I found you. But now I'm going to lose you again, you know, alluding that he's dying. But, dude, he got stabbed in the arm. How is he dying? This Listen, <laughs> 20 years ago, you called him old-ass Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> all right, you don't know. He could be having a heart attack. That, all right, so that makes – he. Dude, all right. So if you he's listen, old as hell. All right, listen, the dude's <laughs> old as hell. Like he was old then. Twenty years later, he's old now. The dude went through all this and he dies of a heart attack. Oh my god. Anyway, but it's all. <laughs> <laughs> dude got stabbed in the arm, man, and then he dies. Like it's, bro. Like chill out. Like take a nap. Take a nap and wake up. And... <laughs> Walk it off. Come on, Hopkins. He dies in his daughter's arms. She's crying, and then. How many years later, I guess. I don't know. So it's Now, let me say this. Uh-huh. In the arm, there is a major artery. There's one in the legs, and there's one in the arms. Mm-hmm. Where if it gets cut, you will bleed out. I give you that. You, you know, you know that, that's right. I give you that. But there there should be blood. Dude was barely Yes. Bleeding. However, it's PG-13. Yeah, I've seen blood, a lot of blood. PG-13 movies. No, anyway. not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, he dies. Sad story. Cool. Uh, shows years later, Anthony Hopkins is telling the same story to another baby boy, and he's doing it in that cool, soothing voice. And uh, he kisses the baby goodnight, kisses his wife. Um, you can obviously see that they've had a child. They're probably married. And then it cuts to the end scene again, where you have now, I guess, Antonio Menderes in the, the Zorro outfit, marking that big old Z. And then the credits come up. And then it plays this crazy ass song that it was so bad that I had to turn off the movie. But yes, that's how it is. <laughs> now, like the descent, I will say you can totally skip the sequel. Alright. So what is the sequel? Is it like the legend of Zorro? It's just more of the same. It's yeah, it's like the legend of Zorro, I think, and it's it's like less good version of this movie. Uh the story's not as good. The it, it's more cheesy. Mm-hmm. Then this, uh, yeah, you could just skip it. Before I get to my letter grade, listen, I just want to say that this movie captivated me, right? So I went in, like, ready to dog this movie out. You have old ass Anthony Hopkins doing flips like a gymnastic. I mean, it's totally 
fake, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm like, he's just not a believable Zoro to me. And uh, but dude, the, the movie just went exponentially up. It was is amazing. The acting was great. The storytelling was great. The fight sequences are great. The horse chases were great. One horse chase was hilarious. Oh, I forgot that. I gotta add this. So. Antonio Banderas, during his training, he needs to infiltrate the bad guy's lair again, and he needs to get a horse, right? Because Zoro has to have a horse. And so he goes and he fights all these men to get this horse, right? So he got the horse, and the horse is like just booking. He's, he just cannot be tamed. And then the horse takes off. And then so he's yelling at the horse. After he fights everybody, he shoots like this big-ass cannon and almost obliterates the entire army. And uh, <laughs> and while he's doing that, like this, uh, he's carrying. It's just it's a funny fight sequence, and he's carrying all this uh, gunpowder. And the the and if you know what gunpowder, like when you spark a flame on it, it follows you, kind of like a wick, right? Uh-huh. And so the wick's following him. He has to throw it down. The whole place blows up, and he has to get to this horse. And he's yelling at the horse. He's like, "Hey, horsey!" Uh, thunder <laughs> and the horse just isn't coming and he's he, he's like he's whistling at him and then so the, hor- the horse comes underneath him and he's he's about to jump on the back and the horse like just walks a little bit so antonio venderas falls on the ground if it was if it was a horror movie he would have broke both his legs straight up right <laughs> <laughs> yep <laughs> and so it just shows the horse is just it's a good fast horse but it's also disobedient and another scene is that he's also it is this cool horse chase scene, man. It's amazing, where uh, these dumbass Spanish army is chasing a horse with no rider. Like why? Like they know they know <laughs> that it's Zorro's horse, but yet they're chasing a horse with no rider on it. It's stupid. Anyway, it, I mean they're stupid. It's not it's not stupid. They're they're stupid. So Antonio Inveris yeah. is is like. He's chasing them down with one horse and beating them off of it. He's throwing people off the horse. He's riding it backwards. He like gets one next to him like a GTA scene, and it's like he punches him in the face, and then he falls off his horse, and he's riding the horse like on one leg. He's kind of like, um, what's that dude? What's that? What's that dude who got punched in? Uh, like he used to be John Claude Van Damme, right? So he's like, you no, know, like John, okay. like John Claude Van Damme is like riding those semi trucks and he does that split right that's kind of like what antonio Banderas mm-hmm. is doing with these two horses and so the reason the reason i'm talking about this is because right before that he's trying to escape from the spanish uh the spanish army and he's trying to get on the horse he's like let's go and then the horse like takes off without him and leaves him there to fight by himself <laughs> <laughs> anyway it's so good man uh before i give it a letter grade may you have anything else you wanted to add i I think you kind of know where I'm going with this. I, yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I, I just remember when it came out in theaters, everybody's like, damn, this is good. And it's just kind of a like a nice surprise. Yeah. So I, I'm glad you enjoyed it. A movie, bro. Yes. Yes. I win. I won one. <laughs> I won an episode. Not that it's a competition, but I won. Definitely an A. Good job. I liked it. All right. Can't believe I haven't seen it before. That's a good ass movie. That's what I was saying. I'm like, how have you not seen Mask of Zorro? But then again, you know, I have several years on you. So, uh, well, it's time for us to assign each other new movies that I, I will give Jason a movie he has not seen that I have seen and vice versa. Um, so, you want to give me mine first? Or? Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll give you. So, I watched this film a very long time ago. 
and uh, it's it resonated with me back then. Um, I actually anytime that it comes on, I believe it's on stars. Anytime it comes on, no matter where it's at in the film, I have to finish it, whether it be the beginning, middle or the end. I have to. And at the very end, with every time and I've seen this movie like eight times now at the very end, I always cry, man. Always. Yeah, it, it happens. Is this Bambi? Hey, man, you, you cried at the beginning of Bambi. <laughs> the time, oh, the time a- you cried at the end of a Disney movie is the, the Fox and the Hound. Now that tear jerker. Bro. Oh no, yeah, oh man, <laughs> that I can't watch the Fox bro, and the Hound. That is a tear jerker at the end, bro. Hey, I can't. Straight up, Homeward Bound, when Shadow's down in the hole and Chase is trying to get him out. Nope. Yep. I'm not crying. <laughs> I'm not crying, bro. I cannot. Every time. I can't do. Fox and Hounds on Disney Plus can't even watch it, man. I probably, I, yeah, I can't do it. If I could like block that movie, I would. <laughs> anyway, I cry at the end of this film every time, right? It has. No, this right. is the first time I, I guess I've seen. You know, as I'm sure he's in plenty of movies, but as a young kid when I watched this, this movie came out in 1999. Um, it stars Chris Cooper, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Chris and um, I, I know you've never heard of this man. It's 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 uh it's a great. Chris Cooper? Yeah. Who is you that? You know who Chris Cooper is, man? Hold on. Is that hanging with Mr. Cooper? No. <laughs> so, you ever seen American Beauty? Oh, okay. Yeah, I remember. The dad, it. you know, that doesn't like his, you know, his son um, for his. Well, I recognize the actor. He was in, um, what movie was I mean, he... Oh, he was in, um, he played the bad guy in. Uh, me, myself, and Irene. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it has Chris Cooper. I love him as an actor. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal. It also has Chris Owen. And if the only what I recognize him from the most is the American Pie movies, where he's like he always he's like that geeky nerdy redhead kid, right? Uh huh. And then it has um Chad Lindbergh. I know you know him. And then uh William Lee Scott. Anyway. It's a great film. Uh, you're going to be watching. Chat. You're going to be watching October Sky. Uh, <laughs> October Sky. Uh, it, you're going to be watching movies about about <laughs> rockets, bro. <laughs> and, and this movie is based off a true. This is a true story. Hey, how could, you didn't tell me Laura Dern was in this movie. Well, I mean, I don't know who she is, bro. From Jurassic Park? Oh, that's her. That is her. Oh my god. Yeah. So she's in it too. She she's a okay. teacher. Well, she ain't, she ain't chasing dinosaurs though. Dinosaur. Dinosaur bounce. <laughs> well, as for you, are you ready for a horror? Oh hell yeah! Have you have you? Have... Are you ready for a comedy? Oh god. Are you ready? <laughs> Are you ready for Colin Farrell? Again? No, I'm just kidding. Oh, my <laughs> I'm <just> God, kidding. <laughs> But it is a horror movie, and it is a comedy, all in you one. Better not. It's directed by someone you've never heard of, uh, Eli Craig. It stars no one you've ever heard of, although you may have heard of Alan Tudyk. Uh, you probably don't know him by name, but he was the robot in iRobot. He was the robot in uh, Rogue One. He voiced that character. Oh, I don't know who he is, but I know those characters because they're CGI yeah, characters. Yeah, so 
Well, you get to see him in the flesh in this movie. Uh, he's the only notable actor. The rest is pretty much like your standard horror cast made up of just good-looking 20-somethings. Uh, but this is not your typical horror movie, and I think you're going to enjoy it. It is on Netflix. It came out in 2010, and it is called Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Man. You sound sad. No, there's nothing to be I'm sad t- about. Let me tell you. I'd rather be watching this than October Scott. Man, October, though, you bite your tongue. <laughs> <laughs> What's this movie like, called I'm again? I'm looking at this evil. movie. What? It's Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Hey, don't watch the trailer. I'm not watching the trailer. I'm just. Oh, God. Okay. It's on Netflix. No, trust. expecting to Listen, relax at hey. their vacation cabin. Too bad. No, what are you doing? Don't read it. Stop. I want you to go in blind. Oh, okay, right. it's important. I went into descent knowing nothing. I went into your next knowing oh, nothing. Hey, that was perfect. Back. I had to do it that way. I get you. I get you. I get you. I got right. you. Okay. okay. Right. Horror all movies. Right, cool. Listen. All right. Okay. Just go in expecting a horror. I like that. Movie, I like okay? that cover. Mm. All right, well, then you'll be ha- pleased to know that there's more where that came from. All right, so <laughs> LaKendra mentioned the other day because she heard the podcast where I was like, grunt, where I was talking about you grunt. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and she goes, he grunts? I say, yeah, now there's proof. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I heard I'm like, mm, like that cover. Mm. <laughs> yeah, well. Uh, we do want to thank you for listening to Film Soliloquy. You can follow us on social media at Film Soliloquy. Uh, our music is provided to us by Sir Flame. You can find his music wherever you stream. Be sure to check out his new single. Um, and I'm blanking on it. Off the script. Yeah. Uh, and you Let can follow him on Twitter and Instagram at Set It On Flame. Uh, we'll see you next time on yeah. Film Soliloquy. Yeah, like we always do it this time I go for mine and made plans for yours Cause I got the shine Go bar for bar, go line for line Like Kobe in 99, I'm so close to prime Bad bitch by my side, I'm so close behind We living in a moment, there's no poster bind You think there was a deal that I'm supposed to sign The game's just a mountain that I'm supposed to climb I remember, man, 11 years old when I made it to go Up in Fairville, I related to cold Fresh bubble jacket, shit, I hated the cold But when winter come around, we would play in the snow They had enough North Sway, so I made it to flow